Alright guys, it's Mike Five from Lights and Lines, the music collective and independent record label. And welcome to the inner sleeve, digital liner notes for the modern age. This is where we discuss the albums that we release uh, through the Lights and Lines catalogue with the artist. And it's a bit like flicking through those little books you used to get in CDs, uh, learning all about the album and what went into it and how the songs were written and all that sort of stuff. Today, we're talking to the amazing Grim 17 about the album that's just come out on Lights and Lines, Digital Throw Up, parts one and two, uh, catalogue number LAL003. Uh, it's a two-part album uh, that captures kind of bits of the past and throws it into the future with some brand new stuff as well. Uh, we describe it as a collection of past grievances retold and new tales told for the first time. Um, it's got a whole range of different stuff on this album. There's some uh, electro-influenced alternatives, some folky influences and lots of industrial influence in there as well. Uh, Grim 17 is a fantastic human. He's an all-round brilliant bloke uh, and he has uh, a very individual style, amazing lyrics. Uh, he's just a top guy. So we had uh, really, really good fun uh, having a chat about this. I uh, hope you enjoy it. For the, mo- the more astute of you uh, listening to this, you'll notice that we haven't yet released the podcast for LAL002, which was the Armand Valida EP, uh, which is also a brilliant EP. We will do that. It's just a case of getting the people in the right room <laughs> um, together to do it, but we will figure that out um, and do that uh, when we have some time in the future because we'd love you to hear, uh, hear and learn a little bit more about that as well. But for now, uh, LAL003, uh, I really like saying the catalog numbers. <laughs> uh, Grim 17, Digital Throughout Parts 1 and 2. Available on lightsandlines.bandcamp.com. I will put the link in there and you can check out all of the latest Lights and Lines stuff on headlightsandwhitelines.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting the label and being awesome. We really appreciate it and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Cheers, guys. So, say something inspirational. Oh, um, uh, life is a shit sandwich and every day we take another bite. L003. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do Because that. I, I just want to mention that I, I wonder how excited whoever puts out the seventh record that you put out is going to be <laughs> to have 007. <laughs> it's it's going to have to be a massive James Bond fan. It'll have to be like. Do you know um, Factory Records? Um, yeah. Who put out like Blue Monday and well, tons yep. of stuff, but that was their yeah. big thing. Uh, they ran the Hacienda Club in Manchester yeah and they gave it um, a label imprint so the club is called Hacienda and on the wall somewhere it's stamped with the number which I, can't, oh, right. I don't know what the number is um, but, you know 008 or whatever uh, and so for 007 I could just like put it on some random object oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fuck, yeah. so that no so one that gets the just, special bond yeah, treatment yeah no one gets it yeah yeah um, I mean, in fair, it, it it means nothing to me because I don't I don't I don't know that I like really. I'm not really a massive Bond fan in general, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. I sh- I should have known that about Factory Records actually, because uh, you know, um, I fucking you know, I read uh, Ian Curtis's biography and yeah, yeah. saw Twenty Four Hour Party People and watched Control and you know, I saw all the shit that uh, what, what did you call the guy Tony Wilson? Tony yeah, Wilson was Tony the Wilson, you know, yeah. Um, you know, about him and stuff like that. He died only a couple of years ago, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it wasn't very long ago. I do have one, this is, again, not sure if we'll keep this in. Maybe I will. It's quite a good conversation. But um, one other fact about Factory Records uh, that not a lot of people know. 
uh, or at least I don't think a lot of people know it. Maybe someone will correct me, I don't know. Um, but they, <coughs> so Blue Monday was obviously a massive hit. Yeah. Um, but they didn't know it was going to be a massive hit. So yeah. the way they produced that, um, like the physical copy, was it was mm. this very intricate, handmade um, sort of cover, which I think was designed uh-huh. to look like a floppy disk or something like that. Right. Um, and basically, every time they sold one, because Factory Records weren't really business people, they were essentially just like anarchists who wanted to put out good music. So yeah. every time they sold one, they lost a tiny bit of money. And they thought, well, it's all right. We're just, you know, we're going to put this out there. And obviously it became <laughs> one of the biggest selling records of all time. So they just absolutely bombed through loads and loads oh, of cash man. making these like handmade um, things with all the insets and everything else. And it absolutely destroyed them. Um, yeah. Because, because they had no idea. Interesting. That's a bit like... Um, uh, Terry Hooley from Northern Ireland, who um, started up um, Good Vibrations, I think was the record. Right, label. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they put out like the undertones and yeah. stuff like that there. And uh, I think, was he? I think he was involved with Diff's Little Fingers at some point. No, not really the point, but uh, they'd done a film about him recently enough as well called Good Vibrations. And, about, and uh, I just remember this fucking, you know. London English twat on this TV show, like reviewing the film and talking about how, you know, it was such, it was just, I mean, you know, uh, it was a great film and it was a great vision this man had, but you just kind of wish you're like the whole way through it, you're wishing that maybe he would have just focused a little bit more on the money and he could have done a bit more and he was just going on about the money and I was just like, ah, oh, fuck off, man, you know, like. That's the point. Yeah, you, 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 you absolutely, you've never. Is this the first film about someone involved in music you've ever seen? You know, is this the first <laughs> first time you've ever come across anything biographical about someone who's involved in music? Nobody cares about the fucking money. Uh, certainly, they're never going to make a film about the people that care about the fucking money. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's it, there. Is, there will never be a fucking Gordon Gecko of you know the music world film ever made. You know, there's nobody lining up to be that arsehole. Like. No, but no, uh, that, that was just, I just remember that. I was just thinking about it the other day, actually, and it just was pissing me off while I was washing the dishes. <laughs> just <laughs> standing on my own, washing the dishes, getting pissed off about some <laughs> fucking, some, some twonk who just could only think about the money when he watched the film about a indie record label. Fuck off. Right, anyway. wonderful insight into your life there. I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, man, I do. I just do my head. If I don't have something to distract me, I will just sit and get angry about shit, you know, just randomly, you know, it's like... And in fairness, the world we live in today, there's so much to get angry about. Oh, it's so easy. That's the thing. (laughs) No, I agree. Um, All right, so let's talk about the album. So Digital Throwout Parts 1 and 2. Um, So the the context for anyone that doesn't know um, is that you... Uh, was it 2013? Um, yeah. You were very active in the music scene. You were working with Tom Middleton, Neil Cowley. You appeared on, uh, I've written here, Ireland's leading music TV show, Other Voices, because you always yeah. ask me to keep that one in when we talk about the book. <laughs> yeah, that was a big moment for you, man. I yeah. Well, I say it was a big moment for me. It was it was really exciting and class for me, but I was also the most depressed I'd ever been at that point kind of thing. Um, so I just remember going down to the festival that they have around the TV show right. for the the filming and all that there. And I was meant to have a guy come with me to play with me, but you know, another guy. Yeah. And he cancelled last minute. So when I went down, oh, they still had me in the twin room. So they were like, 
<laughs> just, 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 just to really drive home, home how lonely I was by oh having a God. room with two beds and I'm the only guy in it. It was just like, and it was, oh, it was just, it oh, was, geez. um, it should have been a, like, way bigger for me and stuff, but I was just so depressed. Like. But I think that's part of the, the story, isn't it? And, you know, so you, you went through that, um, you know, you had these sort of big moments, and then <clears throat> I think you got to 2014. Uh, took, let's say, an unprecedented five-year break, uh, which in your own words was to go drinking, which kind of helped, <laughs> but not really. Um, and then you came back, and it, obviously part of that first um, first phase of Grimm, if you like, uh, was you released, amongst other things, Digital Throw Up. Yeah. Um, then you come back last year, you've released two incredible albums, I mean, absolutely brilliant albums, The End Is Not For A While and I'm Counting To Three, uh, which you know, just absolutely stunning. I thought um, you released a single practice taunts earlier this year in 2021. You uh, did a fantastic job on the Owen Valida EP. You wrote and um, and became the lead voice for that, which was um, awesome considering it was an obscure folk EP about uh, <laughs> aliens in Anglo-Saxon times, which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed. Um, and all through uh, that kind of, you know, well, this year, I suppose, uh, we've been talking about Digital Throughout Part 2 and how we could, you know, put together, uh, you know, at, put something brand new together with a remastered version of um, the original um, to create this uh, this album, put it out on Lights and Lines, which obviously I'm delighted that you said yes, uh, because, you know, fucking love you, man. Um, <laughs> and and that takes us to here. And it's it's a fascinating and interesting story. And all of the shit that you went through, I think, probably makes up you know, a big part of what the, the story and the narrative and everything about it is. And we'll, we'll go track by track in a minute. But I'm interested, like, now it's done and we've got the CDs and you've kind of, you can move on to other things and everything else. How do you feel about, you know, this combination of one and two? How do you feel about that as, a, as an album? today now it's kind of there oh yeah I'm, I'm absolutely happy with it um i don't i don't sit around thinking about regrets much in general once i'm done something you know i i, I love that um it's attributed to pablo picasso but it's not it wasn't actually said by him which is you know a, a great work of art is never finished it is right. is abandoned <laughs> Um, and that's what I feel like, you know, because if I sat around trying to get everything perfect, I, uh, it, it, it would never get released. It would never go out there. You know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, once it was, once things are done, I just view them as what they are. This is what it is. It exists as it is. And, uh, you know, in the same way as trying to get it perfect would take me forever. I could sit around forever, uh, focusing on all the bits that I think, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or oh, that maybe that song didn't work there, or I don't like that vocal, or you know, shit like that. But um, considering the music that I love, you know, eventually, I think with most people with the music they love, it does become about what makes it most human. What, where are the little mistakes? Where are the little oddities that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that's what makes it personal. So, um, so yeah, no, I'm totally happy with the way it turned out. Um, I mean, part of the reason I, I, it, uh, Digital Throw Up Part 2 came about was that I was, I was writing and recording this music that just sounded like the follow-up to the first EP. Right. You know, so I, I, just, I, I always sort of knew that it was going to fit together anyway. That's the thing. It's because you've done so much, and obviously there's, there's that massive break in the middle, um, 
but the you know you touch on it's difficult to go oh he's a blues artist or whatever you know you could say about any well most bands you could say oh they do this thing but you you cover so much and it was really like I thought it was really nice to hear something that had you know because it's quite distinctive digital throughout but you know the, the part one the original is very you know it's kind of dark and it's haunting in places and it's a bit dystopian and it's kind of it's quite industrial but in a, in quite a unique way and it was it was i thought it was brilliant to hear then the second part of that kind of continuing on that theme that was something that was really exciting to me because i you know when we talked about it i was like i don't know where it's going to go because that's quite you know, it's different to the other stuff that you've done um and we, you know i mentioned some of it in the in the intro but you've done all sorts <laughs> so it's it's kind of nice to go back to that but it feels like it's been elevated and taken forward and you know made relevant for today which is a really cool thing to do i think yeah well thanks thanks so much yeah it's it's i mean it, it is essentially uh, it, i mean digital throw up i think is a, is a great name for it because yeah. i always think that's what it sounds like you know it's um <laughs> you know it, well in at that in terms of you know it's, it's that thing that i don't know who said it but it might have been Bill Hicks or something. They really said, "Oh, I want my singers to go out on stage and literally throw up their emotions and then shoot themselves in the face." You know, yeah. that's what I want from, you know, and that's what it is. It's you know, you're throwing up your. It's like a, it's like vomiting out suffusion. It's just get it all out, get it, everything out of you because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm a I'm a stupid big twentieth century man and I can't express my feelings any other way. <laughs> so <laughs> this is all I have. God damn it. You mean and then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then obviously the the fact that you know, uh, just add a load of fucking computers to it as well. Like, let's see how how pained can we make this machine sound? Uh, it, you know, to to fit in with my lament. You know, at, at being a yeah. You know, let's let's be fair. Uh, uh, the key demographic for everything in the world. <laughs> 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 you know, it's just it is it is just it's so self indulgent. I know, but you know. I was brought up to be self-indulgent. My mother probably loved me too much. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so, I mean, that feels like it leads perfectly onto the first track then. So you've got um, Breaking Up yeah. is the first track. And I think I said a minute ago, it's kind of words that come to mind are things like dark, it's a bit haunting, it's quite intense. Um, but also, listening now, so I should say as well, Digital Throw Part 1 as it is now, was the first set of songs that I ever heard by you and I heard it on the New Music Saturday podcast um, before I was a co-host on it or anything like that just uh-huh. you know, listening to it uh, and I, I thought wow like, what is this <laughs> this is so different um, but I never realised until obviously in hindsight and with context for me this track has got all of the core components of a Grim 17 track it's got the the multiple vocal parts it's got the sort of you know the dissonance and the uh, darkness in it it's got you know the different styles of singing um, kind of come across it's just got all those little bits that make it sort of a quite a signature sound so it's a it's a brilliant track one it's a great introduction to to what's to come um so that's not a question tell us about breaking up <laughs> uh, yeah no i was enjoying listening to someone else give their impressions on it to be honest um yeah breaking up is just it is as it sounds it's you know it's the it's the process of breaking up with somebody because mm. Um, you know, again, this e- that that first EP when I released it was yeah, I, I released it in the midst of like uh, a really bad breakup, and uh, you know I also found myself 
unemployed and cashless and mm. I moved in with my sister for a while but she was having her own problems so then I had to move out of there and uh, move in with my parents who were living in a very remote part of Ireland and um, it, it if, if you listen to the EP like my, everything in my head sounded like that it was just um, uh, well Actually, t- take breaking up perfect example because yeah. you've got those the chimes and the and the they, they sound like you know sort of digital bells or whatever. It's, there's something yeah. almost childlike to the synth part. You know, it's got that um, you know like um, those child's children's toys that you you, yep. you rotate the handle and it, it chimes on those little. Uh, I know exactly what you uh, mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know what I, I fucking I, 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 I know, know the name of it too, um, but okay. I can't remember what it's called. But you know what I mean? It's got that you know like a child's toy sort of yeah. sound to it. Um, and I have that a lot throughout my music because it's, it's like I always say to people, you know, it doesn't matter what I look like. And, and to be fair, I kind of, you know, at a s- six foot two, you know, sort of 16 stone um, muscular dude with a beard and a mohawk. Um, you know, I, I give off a certain impression when, I, when you meet me. But realistically, I'm just a I'm, I'm just a child. I'm a 10 year old boy wrapped in extra meat, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, and and all this stuff is just it's body armor it just means it means that i don't the 10 year old boy doesn't have to try hard enough you know in life because people give you a certain amount of respect when you're you know you look this way you know they, they automatically just think well you know let's let's be nice to this guy because you know he he, he might be nice but he could be a dangerous neo-nazi as well um he could tell so, so i've got yeah exactly so i i love using all those chimey kind of synths throughout my music I, it's it's in a lot of different stuff um for that reason plus it just it's uh for the people who are not producers out there if if you're going to start down the path of music always remember those high-pitched chimey kind of sounds because they are brilliant for cutting through the rest of the stuff they just fit mm. in their own frequency and it just sits there lovely and it it lightens things up um so that's that but I get um, so it's kind of like it's that childishness juxtaposed with all the angst that comes with you know being a young adult and and dealing with uh, um, I don't, you know well you know all you know what you're with as, with as a young yeah, adult yeah young just, adult. just yeah, yeah, the, the white noise of 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 you know trying to be all these different things that people expect you to be so um, so that song is just. Boil, boiling that down to the one thing, which is you know you're breaking up with somebody, but um, you still you don't you don't know, and even if it was a to- toxic, terrible relationship, you don't know how to function without them, you know. So it's the lyric is "Let me at your door when I call you. If I'm there, I can't be here as well." Yeah. And it's like you know I'm in this place and it's terrible, and where when I was with you, it was terrible too. But this terrible, at least that terrible with you. I know that I I, I, familiar, I want that it? back because it's comfort. Yeah, it's comfort and it's familiar and it's yeah yeah. So, um, and then just a, a shitload of crazy drums underneath it because yeah. I fucking love crazy digital drums. <laughs> yeah, you really do. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Man. Yeah, I fucking love that shit. That's no, brilliant. And we'll, 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 there's several places where we can talk about loads because they're, they're a big feature of it as well. Um, yeah, <coughs> brilliant. And I do love I like, like my there is that. Start with um, drums, but yeah, you do. Yeah, do you know what? I was going to say that. Um, there is, like, drums is a big part of it. There's a song, uh, when we get down to uh, <coughs> Sun in the Mist, um, which is the 
short version because I'm too lazy to say the sun in thickness looks like the <laughs> remastered. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but when we get down to that, they're really tribal sounding, um, like, and they work so well in that track. But there's a lot of like drums form a big part, I think, of, of you know what what makes this unique and you. Because I think a lot of people, you know, if you've got if you're in a band and you record a drum kit, fine, that's one thing. Uh, if you're using any sort of electronic drums, I do hear a lot of music where they've kind of just taken the sample or the sound as is and maybe tweaked it a bit and put a little bit of, you know, bit of reverb, bit of an effect or whatever, but you really kind of crunch them and turn them into something completely different, which is pretty cool. Like, it sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think I, I fucking went under one on Twitter uh, a week ago or so about, you know, people using 808s. It's like, you yeah. know, modern music, it just seems to be all fucking 808. And don't get me wrong, it's a great uh, drum machine, and I understand the history of it, and I understand that, you oh, know, yeah. when all these uh, hip-hop artists and stuff were coming up from the underground, and they had no money, and no one was buying the 808 because everyone thought it was shit, and they were able to get them cheap, yep. and I understand all that stuff, but still, can somebody please tell all these fucking modern producers that there are other drum sounds yeah. other than the fucking 808? Because <laughs> it's just... There's just, it's w there's way too much of it. Every time you turn on the radio, it's like, how am I supposed to know which song this is? It sounds exactly like every other one because it's just fucking it. I love it. It's like, as soon as they find something that works, it's like, oh, here's a formula. Let's try that. Yeah, yeah. I know. He's I fucking right. And which, again, I suppose, in, in certain contexts is a great thing. But with music, you know, I, I want to hear music that makes me go, whoa. How the fuck did he do that? You know, it's like, I don't want to hear stuff that I go, oh, I know exactly how he did that. Yeah. Because at, at 35 years old, I have enough of that stuff, you know, in my playlists. You know, the stuff that I go, I know exactly how he did that, is the stuff that I just go back to when I'm too lazy to look for new music. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think there's an element of, you know, you want music to make you feel something, whether it makes you feel uncomfortable yeah. or, yeah. you know, ecstatic or... You know, melancholy and reflective, or whatever. You just whatever it is, it needs to make you feel something. And if it all sounds the same, it stops doing that. It just it, you know, yeah. become it doesn't become something that can um, generate emotion and help you yeah. feel, which for me is a massive part of music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so yeah. next up we've got Machine Speak. Uh, yeah. Now again, this one, it, this is the sort of there's a lot of dystopian. Like I could use that word over and over again, probably. <laughs> but there is a certain because of the nature of the whole thing, because it's that kind of you know electronic feel. Because as you were talking about earlier, it's, you know, digital throw up such a great name for it. Um, it does kind of have that slightly futuristic, slightly dark kind of feel to it. Obviously, it's you know present in the title, but it's present in the music. It has that amazing messed up kind of really dark bass part. Um, it's sort of. I wrote down weirdly catchy. <laughs> like it doesn't feel like it should be yeah. a catchy tune, but it really is. Uh, and the mm. chorus lyric is—I mean, I think it's beautiful. I think it's, you know, piece of art on its own. Um, and that line and the throats gave chase to the sounds they gave in haste, but the ears saw nothing. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of uh, my kind of John Lennon moment, really. It's, it's <laughs> slightly nonsensical, but it also somehow. It, it sounds like it means something. Sounds like it makes um, perfect sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. But it was, it, they're kind of just nonsense lyrics, to be honest, but, you know, that create nice imagery, except for the second verse, which has a definite meaning. Yeah. Well, uh, I just, I'll tell a short story as well about that track, about the chorus lyrics in, in particular, because it's, I, I, I laughed so much at this, which, um, you know, my, as I, I always refer to her as my lover slash support human. Yeah. Uh, you know, my partner, Erin, she, uh, 
<laughs> she was uh, she was just wandering around singing it herself, and, you know, and we don't right. really listen. I don't listen to my music in the house as much, or, or and she doesn't really listen to it that much either because. Uh, you know, she gets it so much. She's like, you know, I, I get it all the fucking time. I don't need to fucking listen to it. I live it. Um, so, but she went on around singing it and she just turned to me and went, what is the lyrics in the, the chorus of that song? And I told her what it was and she goes, right, is that what it is? I've been singing and the throats gave chase to the sound of mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that also works, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I kind of wish it was that now, to be honest. Um, well, yeah, so she, that's what she heard. Um, I mean, you had the perfect opportunity to, to change that in the remaster. I know, I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, th I think I'd already sent you on everything at that point, to be honest, anyway. But, uh, ah, okay. But, yeah, no, that, I thought that was fucking hilarious. Like, um, Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, Machine Speak, uh, I think Machine Speak was the first one that came about for that EP. It was the first one I wrote. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I wrote, I think, I'm pretty sure I wrote that before I, uh, me and uh, my ex broke up. Interesting. Um, yeah, because I, I seem to remember working on it, um, doing some mixing or something, and then, like, I think dropping my laptop and losing my temper, like, ridiculously, like, really <laughs> badly losing my temper because something had happened and I dropped the laptop or something. And, um, and I, I seem to remember I was working on that at the time. Um, the but again, that was. Young, it's, yeah. uh, fuck, it's, I, I still do it, you know. It's, I find myself <laughs> wandering around the, around the house, you know, talking to inanimate objects like they're going to do what I say, you know. No, don't do that. No, why are you. No, you know, that kind of thing. But again, I was, I was, uh, it came about drums first. Um, part of the way I was making a lot of music back then was. I would take a drum sample that I have, uh, you know, just an existing drum sample from a pack or something, and then mm -hmm. I would just chop it up, like really chop it up, and then reassemble it randomly right. in different combinations until I hear something that I like and can repeat, and then I, I'd add a load of shitload of uh, uh, effects and stuff. And actually, that sort of that partially came about because I went to a, a talk given by a few different musicians from Derry, one of whom was John O'Neill, the lead guitarist from The Undertones. Nice. And he was in a, he had this like uh, weird electro-pop outfit uh, trio in the 90s and they released a, a few singles and I think they had, I think they had some chart success actually. <laughs> but, and one of the things that he was doing then was he was using samples as well, but as he put it, you know, you need, if you use samples, you have to then, you know, acknowledge copyright and pay people. And he was right. saying, I didn't have the money to pay to use these samples. So that's what he would do as well, would be, you know, try and make the sample sound as, you know, as little as possible, like the right. original sample. Right. Um, so that he didn't have to pay copyright. And that was how he was doing it. And it was just, I thought that was an interesting idea because obviously all the samples that I was using were free to use because they come in packs along with the... Yeah. software that I used but I still thought I don't want it to sound like the original sample anyway I want it to sound like you know specific to me so uh, so yeah. I started doing that with all the drum stuff and then the rest of the stuff I could just you know do on my own because I can play the instruments but the drums yeah I had to do something to them to make them sound and then that's sort of how it came about yeah nice do you write a lot of songs drums first then because they are such a prominent part of your sound yeah it's yeah it's 
there's kind of there's i mean they, you can kind of separate them out into two categories either i come up with an interesting drum sample or loop that i really like and then write a you know song around that or i've written a song and then i like i'll record part of the song into a click track and then try and fit right you know something that i you know an interesting drum sample that i make myself to it yep um and then i might have to re-record some stuff so that it, you know they kind of gel better together and they sound a bit more like me rather than yeah uh just a song so it's basically either way you look at it it is just shoehorning a song on top of or underneath a fucking mad drum sample so, yeah. <laughs> i love it very good very good yeah, yeah. Uh, okay so next up then so track three part one uh the song with the longest title on the album uh, which I always have to read because I can never quite remember the order. But the sun in thick mist looks like the moon. Remastered. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's that was. It's literally. It was a joke for no one else other than me, which was to have an instrumental song that had the title of which is a sentence. You know, just yeah. just for the sheer hilarity of it. You know, there's no lyrics in it, so have a really long fucking title. Um, and I do shit like that all the time just little jokes that nobody else is ever going to fucking probably ever know about or find funny but they amuse me so I did it you know so fuck it yeah I'm sure there's but, um, a poem um, this is going way back when I was in school doing English lessons and I'm sure there's a poem we had to study or like a book of poetry and one of the poems in it uh, had an extremely long title like yeah. It just seemed to go on forever, and then the actual poem was like one word, uh, and it was it was it was kind of the title alluded to that's what was going on sort of thing. Uh, I can't I've got yeah. no idea what it's called, so it's a pointless story. But uh, it did. It no, was, I think I yeah. It was hilarious, as opposed to you know the other stuff you have to study. Is, well, hit and miss. Let's be honest, and I guess poetry yeah, is all yeah. about personal taste anyway. But it's it's kind yeah. of you know it, it's for fifteen and fifteen to sixteen year olds or whatever age you are when you do that, and it's kind of. It's not the good stuff, right? It's not. <laughs> it's not the stuff. Oh yeah, no, it is. It is. Oh, absolutely. It's like it, it feels half the time in, in those types of scenarios in, in school, you do feel like it's like um, just in case there was any possibility of you ever being interested in any of this stuff, <laughs> yeah, we're going exactly. to do this to fucking <laughs> kill that interest. You know, that's like, exactly. You can't be crazy. If you've got to go and work for the man. So let's. Uh, yeah, let's show yeah, you kind how of. Yeah, it's this is. Fucking, um, dreadful. Or 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 it's just, or it's just that fucking weird. Oxbridge idea of well, you know, let's the classics. They're the classics for a reason, are they though? Yeah. Well, this you know, is a, this like, is an interesting question. This is a separate podcast, but it is a really yeah, interesting yeah. question about you know all of that sort of stuff. Um, like, well, why? I mean, so I get some of the we could go about other phrases, but like you know, some of the sort of there are historical texts that make up part of a literary canon that make it important. Like Beowulf, I think, was the first. Yeah. The, the first thing that we have uh, recorded as being sort of written um, as a yeah. novel or whatever. That's important. I get that. You know, the story's all right as well. And it's kind of, yeah, okay, great. Um, and there are other things in there. But do we need all 520 Shakespeare plays in that kind of <laughs> canon of yeah, literature? Yeah, or do we just yeah. need like the two or three that are really good? Like, why, why do we insist um, on that when, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not yeah, yeah, Shakespeare, but you know. No, no, absolutely, man. It's, it's, uh, it is. I mean, it, and then it comes back to you know, you know, talking about music. And I know you don't like the Beatles much, and <laughs> I love the Beatles, but I still understand that you know, at the end of the day, you know, do we, there, do we need to keep pushing the Beatles? 
you know, the Beatles pushed themselves. People will have heard of the Beatles by now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think so. Um, surely, surely there must be. Do we need to give a platform to that type of shit? You know, it, it's you know, it was like um, I think I said when I released my last single. I, I think Taylor Swift was releasing something around the same time, and I was ju- I just went on Twitter and went. I mean, people have heard of Taylor Swift. Do you you know? Not that many people have heard of me. Do you think maybe she could lend me some of her fucking, you know, yeah, audience for a, for a little bit, just so that I could get a bit of that, you know, a slice of that action? You know, does she really need all that the, that attention? You know, so it's the musical equivalent of having billions of dollars stashed away in, you know, the Cayman Islands or whatever. Yeah. Do you really yeah. need it? You could give yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, anyway, I, like you said, that is a separate podcast. So yeah, I'm sure we could go there for a long time. I'd be quite happy to do it, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so this song, you've got, I think. Well, I said earlier, like big when those drums come in, they are kind of tribal sounding, which is really interesting. But it's got that kind of spacey, airy intro. The whole thing feels, um, our good friend Bonesy would say, ethereal, and, yeah, and, yeah. and I think ominous as well. It's it's a really interesting track and to put an instrumental on an EP which is obviously originally was I think is quite a brave move because in the EP you've got a certain amount of time to capture someone's attention um, and you know it's a, don't get me wrong it's a great track but not all instrumentals do that for everybody you know, you know people like to you know listen and sing along and uh, <clears throat> that sort of stuff I suppose so it's brave but it works so brilliantly in the context of what else is on there it's for me it's it, you know I love it I think it makes it all the better um, that it's kind of in there and it just sits track three here you go <laughs> yeah yeah I, I yeah it was just a, you know to cut it up in the middle i i was i wrote i was writing a lot of different instrumental shit uh, at the time um uh there's an instrumental one as well on on um the end is not for a while yeah uh and it, it partially comes from well it comes from a couple of different places one of them being uh, my love of radiohead especially their uh the albums like uh Kitty, an amnesiac yeah um and both of those have well you know in 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 terms of amnesiac it's it's uh pull poke or poke pull revolving doors which technically has vocals but it's it's you know it's it's kind of it's a weird little electronic aside that they've sort of stuck in the middle and then on kid a it's tree fingers which is just complete ambience you know it might as well be taken directly from a brian eno record um (laughs) sadly um, Kid so A is amazing, uh, just on a slight side yeah. note. Like, even now, it, and it's, there's something about that era where there was a lot of things that happened um, that kind of seemed to... They're probably forgotten slightly now, but they seem to set the blueprint for things to come. Kid A was a seminal album in terms of you know, modern electronic music. The Matrix was a seminal film in terms of how films yeah. are made and everything. Toy Story yeah. was the same. There are various points yeah. around that kind of turn of the century. Um, I can't remember exactly when Kid A came out, but it's somewhere in that time frame. 1989. There you go. No, so. no. wait. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah, 99. Yeah, it was 99. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah so this, Amnesiac was 2001. Right. So, you know, that's incredible when you <laughs> when you think about, you know, what that does and just hearing, I think Idiotech was the single originally, wasn't it? Just hearing oh, yeah, that for yeah. the first time compared to OK okay Computer and Pablo Honey and everything out of the bends. Mm. It's, it's completely out there, but it did make a lot of that sort of music much more accessible to, to, to many more people. It's, it was incredible, really. Yeah, but it took a while because I remember it coming out and I remember how 
almost angry people were about it. You know, like critics <laughs> and and uh, music magazines were basically. You know, I think uh, NME nearly swallowed themselves in, in fucking you know out of sheer anger that this band that they loved, you know, that okay computer that were a guitar band, suddenly were like, you know what, we're gonna put down the guitars for a while. And it, it was they were so angry about everyone fucking hated it, you know? People are and uh it, huh? people are dicks though. Eh? <laughs> That's the thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, man. You know um I mean I, I know I know we depend on them to a certain extent, but you know, if if yeah. what you do is is review music or you're a music blogger or stuff um, you know, you're surplus to requirements. I'm sorry. No, we don't really need you that much. Um, you know, get, do something else. You know, what the fuck are you for? Uh, uh, don't cut that out, by the way. I stand by it. I won't. I won't. <laughs> but I'll, I'll but not cut like, it out it and I'll send it to a load of people to review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I made a fucking comment uh, recently about reviewers and I was like, you know, you know what we'll do? get our own back we'll start reviewing reviewers reviews yeah we'll start you know they review us badly we're gonna go in and we're gonna say how shit the review was <laughs> well, it's a sloppy use of adjectives across this review and the sentence <laughs> is poor <laughs> exactly yeah 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 <laughs> um but yeah no it was and then it was a couple of years later that you know they started changing it was a massive turnaround it was like i don't know if they got new staff raiders or something but it was like suddenly kid a was ex- appearing on you know top fucking 50 albums of the 20th century lists and shit like that there you know but it, it, it took a few years for people to come around to it like yeah yeah um uh, which which is another thing i love um oh here's an, actually another interesting fact i uh i think maybe in the year 2000 or 2000 and i think i'm pretty sure it was before amnesia came out anyway uh one halloween i went uh dressed as radiohead and I what, turned a box. Well, no, just I, I, like I turned. Oh, a box sorry. Okay, a box, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I turned it into a radio and wore it on my head. And then I was wearing a T-shirt that said Kid A on it. And uh, that's amazing. And uh, it started raining, and the box got all soggy. So you know, like then, then I was just a guy walking around with a homemade Kid A T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that was soggy box on his head. <laughs> no, no, I, I know, I, I threw away the box. Was, oh, I see. Oh, okay. It was, okay. It was unsalvageable, <laughs> like so. It was just like, yeah. Fucking, you didn't have like bits of pulp. Yeah. I mean, ironically, you could have then gone as pulp, actually. <laughs> yeah, but I hate pulp. Do you? You don't like Jarvis Cocker? Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, no, no, I don't. I just don't like. I mean, I, th- uh, I, th- I just don't. There's nothing about the songs really that I like. There's just. I don't know. They're 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 not terrible. I don't hate them. No, actually, I suppose that I think that I say hateful. No, um, you said you don't. I don't know. No, I don't. I, I, yeah, I don't really like them anyway. I I just there's just there's just nothing in it for me. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just it's it's a brand of of music that I just find. Uh, it feels to me like it's not really saying anything. That's uh, that's another. We could come up with podcast ideas all day, but that's another one where one of us picks an album that we love and the other one hates, and we have to (laughs) to listen to it. That'd be amazing. uh, And go back and explain why. Um, Okay, so we were talking about uh, this is going to be seamless. You ready? We're talking about Radiohead putting down the guitars, and then the next track is "Quick Nobody Smile," which I think is the first track with like a really prominent guitar um, on here. See what I did there? Yeah, yeah. It's well. The first two have bass. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, but it's an actual live bass that I played in yeah. uh, myself because I was originally a bass player. Um, and it's filthy on machine yeah, speak. Like the bass on that is disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love, yeah, fucking. Uh, in a brilliant way. Obviously. It was. But machine speaks in an odd time signature, you see. So it took, yeah. it took a few tries to write a bass line. I knew over the drums I wanted a bass line. You know, and this was how I was writing the song. I had these drums and I needed, I was like, right next, there has to be a bass coming in. Coming in. And I, so I took, I took, because of the strange time signature, it took me a while to count out, you know, because I, I, mm -hmm. I, I wrote a bass line when I was away from the drums, you know, in my head, and I came gotcha. back to play it over, and I was like, oh, well, no, that doesn't quite fit, so I had to add extra notes kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, and then, so quick, nobody smiley, yeah, guitar, I... It was just that I was working on all this shit, and I was like, right, I'm kind of, I, I, what am I going to do next? I'm kind of treading water here, and I was just like, right, well, what? I, I need to do something different. How am I going to write this one differently? So I just picked up the guitar, and um, again, it's another song that's in an odd time signature, and you do I, you do a lot of that, and I, I didn't realise like I'm really bad at picking up on it, but I think. I think when I notice it, that that probably means it's not working. Like when people write stuff yeah. in a different time signature and you don't notice or care, that to me shows that it works. Like I never realised we were having this conversation online yesterday with, um, you know, just because I I don't I didn't realise how much stuff that I do listen to and also loads of stuff people introduced me to uh, yesterday on on Twitter, but is in different signatures. But it's the it's the stuff where you notice it where you go, hmm, I'm not sure about that. But the stuff where you yeah. don't, it's just it feels completely natural. It's it's a weird thing for me because I can basically only write songs with four chords in four four. <laughs> so, uh, so it's a strange thing, but it, yeah. it you know it just it adds to the feel of the whole thing and it kind of. Yeah. It's a very accessible song, but it's a very dark song. So you have this kind of accessible mm. darkness, if you like, yeah. um, in it, which is probably accentuated. The darkness is probably accentuated slightly by the um, by the time I would I would think. Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah, the the yeah, the odd time signature thing. It sort of adds. It's it's you don't understand exactly why it sounds strange. You know, if yeah. you're doing a, a, a song with an odd time signature, um, yeah, I think. If you use it in a song that's kind of dark and brooding, it adds to the fact that it's a little unsettling. Yeah. Because, uh, but you, you don't really notice and you, you don't understand why unless you're counting it out, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, plus, uh, plus, the great thing about that is it, it allowed me to put in all those weird uh, muted guitar sounds, So, um, yeah. which I fucking love. I, ch I chopped them up and I, I reassembled the, them as well and just nice. stuck them in randomly in little gaps where the guitar had stopped playing. Um, nice. And I just love it. I, I love it when it's like because uh, I'm not a great guitar player, but I definitely have my own style. You know, it's so. I think I think my guitar playing sounds like a bass player playing the guitar because the guitar it sounds a little bit like it's being molested. You know, it almost sounds like it's trying to cry for help a little bit. You know? Yeah. So it's yeah. Um, and it comes from like. You know, growing up listening to like John Frusciante is a great one for mm. um, uh, doing stuff like that, where he'll play single notes, but he's strumming the whole guitar. Yes. You know, so he's he's muting the rest of the strings with parts of his hand. Like, have you ever tried to play "Can't Stop" by Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yeah, it's really difficult. 
it's really difficult to play. It's three notes, and it's so difficult to play, you know, because yeah. I don't know how he mutes the keeps the rest of the strings constantly muted while he's doing that. But he's so good at doing that, you know. It's I have a theory um, that he has an extra hand. <laughs> it's the only possible yeah. explanation. Yeah, yeah, um, or just yeah, just an extra uh, that that extra arm that he used for you know the the second needle of heroin back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean he's just such a fantastic guitar player, um, Christian. And then you got other people like that I loved, like um, Umari Rodriguez Lopez from uh, At the Driving and Mars Volta. Absolutely stunning. Yeah. Um, and he does things like that as well. But he does other things that you don't understand exactly how he's doing that with a fucking guitar. I once saw um, him standing on a stack of amps that must have been 10 foot high, and I still, to this day, don't know how he got... I mean, I watched him get up there, but I don't know how he did it with a guitar, <laughs> and stood there. Yeah. And I don't know how he stood there and made his legs appear so wide at the top of this, <laughs> like his massive like rock and roll pose. Uh, and then I don't remember him getting down. He can't have jumped. He would have broken both his legs. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, he's another amazing guitar player. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, and to, this is... a complete non sequitur or whatever but to kind of jump back to the odd time signature thing mm -hmm. you know you were talking about you you know you was writing stuff in 4-4 four, four. I suppose the fact that I started I mean the first instrument I played was piano when I took classical lessons yeah so so I had some grounding in the theory so I understood that part of it but really the odd time signatures definitely comes from the fact that you know when I was a, a teenager in my late teens and early 20s it, there were so many math rocky bands right. that, that all of my peers were listening to, um, not least of which in a band that I fucking loved for the first three albums, Buffy Clyro, oh, yeah. who on their first three albums had a lot of mad time signatures and changes, and you know they were really fucking insane uh, with all that stuff, which I fucking loved. And uh, you know one of the first bands that I was in, which was called Blatant Fly, we did a lot of that stuff as well. Like so, I was big into all that weird math rocky you know kind of um e even at the drive or even uh, the mars volta yeah did it a lot too you know kind of thing um so so a lot of that comes from there and then uh the other thing was i, I got math i was massive in the tool and i was listening to a lot of tool at that time when i was making that first ep mm. so uh, and they're they're mad for you and you mentioned tribal drums as well earlier and again danny carey from tool yeah big lover of tribal drumming and stuff like you know yeah so um uh yeah so that's where that, a lot of that comes from too but yeah no and to, to and before we have to move on or whatever to talk about quick nobody smile in itself that is the darkest song about breaking up as well because that is another breakup song yeah um uh you know in the second verse it's got that lyric which is uh uh, the second verse lyrics are let me write this down it's an address go there for a while and wait for death and it's just it's a seriously angsty self-indulgent lyrically mm. <laughs> it's just it could have it could have been in a fucking emo song almost you know like, <laughs> but um I, I like to think that my delivery somehow you know kind of takes some of the edge of that self-indulgent angst off it but yeah it, it you know it, some it sometimes it does feel like that because i was I was just sitting in this single room on my own, just sort of, you know, watching time go by, and it was like, what the fuck do I do now, kind of thing, like, so, and I think that's kind of, you know, what that um, song, you know, is partially about, and then obviously the quick nobody smile thing is just, you know, it's that feeling that 
whenever you've been through something like that, you feel like everyone is kind of walking on eggshells around you. You know, it's like, yeah, let, let's not show that we're having too good a time because, you know, look, per look at per sad balls over there, you know, <laughs> fucking, you know blowing under his pipe of smithics, you know. <coughs> yeah, no, that's it. That's exactly it. I think um, it's interesting as well because there's, there's the, obviously the breakup theme is, is all over this. <clears throat> but when yeah. you when you say that to someone, if I was to say to someone, oh, I listened to this album the other day, whichever album, it's about a bad breakup, I think you assume, or well, not you personally, but people would assume um, that it's a certain type of thing. It's you're like, oh, I miss this person and I'm sad, blah, blah, blah. Your songs don't do any of that. They, they, t- they go straight for the heart. They go straight for, I'm now in a really dark place because of this ridiculous situation or you know i have this mixed emotion of stuff and i'm gonna it's just really honest it's, it's brutally honest uh, which makes it far more interesting to me than i don't know alanis morissette or whatever <coughs> um, you know <laughs> plucking someone out of the air who's probably written a breakup song but you know what i mean it's it's just a far yeah. more interesting um and again like i was saying earlier about music sort of enabling emotion and putting you in touch with your own emotions i think is part of the pleasure of listening to it it does that um, it does that brilliantly. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to hear about, you know, how much you miss someone or or the other thing that I hate, which is that weird positivity song that they do after a breakup, which oh, you yeah. know, like <laughs> everyone fucking loved that. I, and I'm back talking about Taylor Swift, and I don't know why, but for some reason she keeps popping into my head, which is you know we are never ever getting back together again or whatever that fucking song that she did was. Oh, yeah, this right on. Empowerment thing, yeah. like well I'm owning this now, and we've broken up, and yeah. look at me go, and yeah my life is gonna be so great, and you're like, no fuck off. Yeah. You know that that is a toxic way to think. You need that pain, you need that grief, you need to sit down and think about how terrible this is because otherwise. It's going to come back to you at some point. If you continue right. with this weird, shitty positivity that you're going to pick yourself up and just get on with things, you're not allowing your body, your mind, your body, your emotions to come out. That is really bad for your mental health. So fuck off with that shit, frankly. You it's know? not great, is it? The, um, o- the only thing yeah. I will say uh, is that without having spoken to Taylor Swift about this you know, beforehand, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so I couldn't say for certain, the only counter to that could be Perhaps she's been through that process, and then it's about coming out the other side. And then, in that sense, the positivity is a good thing, because you've been yeah. through the grieving process. Doesn't mean that no, you absolutely. shouldn't still I, I, reflect on that. No, I know. I, I, I wasn't. I was just using that as an example. Of no, no, I know. Yeah, I was just sort of analysing a Taylor Swift song for some yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, well, but yeah, I mean, yeah. that that could be the episode of that podcast where we both listen to an album we both hate. Yeah, um, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then, uh, then conclude we still hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but the other thing as well was that I was also going, the fact, the breakup also meant that I wasn't seeing my daughter. Um, yeah. So, you know, that factors into it as well. You know, uh, I, I love being a father. I loved being a father to her as well. Um, and suddenly that was kind of cut off I mean at the time we were trying to work it out and I was trying to see her as much as I could but it was it, uh, I, I sometimes I don't even know if I was in any fucking fit state at the time to do it because I was just so it's tough uh, yeah yeah so you know so even at the time you know when I was leaving her back up to her mum's uh, you know she was getting very upset because she could see how you know visibly upset I was at having to part with her again for however many days or weeks yeah and uh 
and which 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 was a shitty thing, you know. I and and I know, like I was just saying, you shouldn't you know bottle up your emotions. I was kind of delivering that you you know uh, yep. uh, 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 message just a minute ago. But at that in those situations, you know, I think I probably should have held it together a bit better, you know. But hindsight is fucking twenty twenty. Well, so I was going through that as well, actually. And and actually, on quick, nobody smiled. The very start of it, you can hear her voice. Um, yes, I was going to ask you about that. It's, that is, yeah. I, I assumed it was, yeah. That is adorable. Yeah, I was just, uh, I was mucking about and she happened to be there and I had, I put on the, the shitloads of delay and she was listening to her voice on the delay and she was fucking loving it. And then um, she wanted to go and do something else. So it's her saying, all right, daddy, come on, let's go. Here we go. Brilliant. So and I just thought, is it a great way to start a fucking song? You know what I mean? Yeah, Here yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but, uh, but obviously then there's also... It's kind of, it was a pain catalyst to a certain extent as well. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. Fucking masochistic sell- torturing myself. You know, like, let's put this on a song. You know, th- you remember this thing that, you know, will remind you a lot of something that you find very, very painful. Put it in a song so that you have it, you know, in, in a recording that you can go back to anytime you want and dig that shit up again. Uh, That'd be great. Not only that, but put it in a song that you're going to listen to a hundred times while you mix and master it and everything else. <laughs> I know. And then, and then, I, and then I had to remaster for this as well. Oh sure god! Help, but uh, um, <laughs> uh, which, uh, on that note, actually talking about remastering the first EP mm-hmm. because you were talking about the sound of uh, the sun seen in thick mist looks like the moon, and one, <laughs> one of the main things that I had to do while remastering. Oh yeah, uh, the first EP, right? Uh, which shows. How fucking you know? Um, I don't know uh, how much work I had to do as a producer. You know how much, how far I had to come as a producer back yeah. then, uh, which was when I was remastering this. Most of it was just taking off reverb. Was just like <laughs> taking a shitload of reverb off everything because I just fucking put reverb on fucking everything. Uh, and the only track that I didn't really have to take as much reverb off was the sun scene in Thick Mist Looks Like the Moon because it's it sounds better like that. It's it sounds better scene, that yeah. way. Yeah. But everything else was, it was just <laughs> a muddy, <laughs> echoey mess. Of it. Oh, it was fucking... And, it, you know, do, doing that, it did nothing for my, you know, self-esteem as a young producer, you know, because I thought <laughs> it was fucking amazing back then. And, you know, and then I'm doing it now and I'm going... Yeah, I wasn't amazing back then. I had a long way to go. <laughs> but we all learn as we go, don't we? That's the thing. You know, you know, ah, yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Um, being fiercely yeah, independent it's, it's, means there's a big learning curve as well. So. Well, yeah, indeed. Um, I mean, although in fairness, I mean, it, just, it seems to be a lot of the very established people. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure they're very talented people these well-established producers but t- to me it sounds mostly like they're just putting shitloads of compression and limiters on everything but i think that basically is what happens yeah i think that's <laughs> i think it is what happens yeah um i mean don't get me wrong i love to use a, a good limiter or, and compression when it comes to the final mastering stages and all but it, i don't know I mean, you only have to look at no it if you, if you if you put it <coughs> you know into a door or um depending on what you use to play music you, you, or even just upload it to Dropbox or something you only have to look at the file and the waveform to, to see that it's yeah. just a big block um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah that, and that's how you, without hitting play that's how you know you're not actually going to enjoy this no matter how good a song <laughs> is you can't possibly enjoy that because there's no dynamic there's no it's just forced 
I don't know why necessarily. I don't know if it's a streaming thing or a radio play thing or um, is it just if something's louder, it's more prominent. But if everything is that loud, nothing is more prominent. So it seems ridiculous. Um, yep. But yeah, yeah you, it's, no, yeah. it's no dynamic in a lot of mainstream music for whatever reason. Even by bands that you think are great. Um, you know, not, I don't just mean pop music, just anything you can ask. You know, I love oh, that. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. the same across it's, anything. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think it's, I think partially it's that normalisation that radio stations have been doing for years is to blame, you know, yeah. if people grew up, um, you know, even thinking about like, you know, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana when it came out, you know, radio stations were starting to use that normalisation process, and yeah. you think, like, part of the point of Smells Like Teen Spirit is the dynamics between the verses and the chorus, you exactly. know, the <laughs> quieter verses and then the fucking balls to the wall, loud choruses, yeah. so if you're going to normalise that shit to put it on radio, you're, you're, extracting so much that that is meaningful about the track you know so but and then people grew up listening to that shit so i suppose a lot of the modern producers now are coming from a, a, a place of thinking that that's what should sound like that's normal they so, say so, yeah um but anyway anyway so we sidetracked slightly there but that's fine uh so let's talk about I Pray For Water. This is, yeah. uh, I mean, this is just beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's a fantastic way to end part one. Uh, it, you've got your vocal harmonies coming back in again there. The, right at the end, it sounds like a very dark gospel choir. Um, yeah. And also, it just it leaves you wanting more. And so I'm pleased that eight years later, or whatever it is, we've got more <laughs> in part two yeah. uh, to come after it. But I mean, that is a, beautiful track i pray for so that really is fantastic um, yeah I yeah just, I you know, know I, I um that uh that came about just me fucking about on a guitar pedal um <laughs> with, with the guitar um and you know it's 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 very simple it's in it's an a i think and it's you know it's mostly you know uh, uh a major and e minor yeah um and it was just this this sort of synthy sound that I got through the guitar, which is just shitloads of delay and reverb and you know um, something else. I think a, a, an ensemble um, effect or something like that. Anyway, right. that made it sound. It, it doesn't. It, I don't think it really sounds like a guitar anymore, to be honest. No, not at all. Um, and then I just yeah. I mean, the self pity thing kind of just made me, you know. Um, yeah, I, I grew up Irish Catholic, so there's kind of a, a there's a def, there's a cultural um, religiousness sort of in the background of everything I do a little right. bit because because it's such a big part of of everything here, you know, uh, yeah, you know, entire communities centered around churches and um, you know even it, it's it's in schools, you know, even because uh, you know a lot of the, the schools in, in Ireland in general are, are Catholic schools yeah. um, and obviously the big influence of American culture means that you know you're exposed to a lot of those like you said gospel yeah um, and I just I just sort of wanted to I think I think it was it was also sort of this the you know the at the time um, I think my father had got a DVD copy of Oh Brother Were Out There and he was he watched that <laughs> a lot and then okay. he got the I think he got the fucking CD album of the soundtrack as well so that was fucking floating about loads and you know everyone was fucking into that 
you know, uh, film anyway. Yep. Um, and I, I just wanted to write something like that, you know, something gospely, something that sounded like a, a song that had been around forever. You yeah. know, like, um, you know, one of those songs that you sort of, you know, that nobody knows who wrote it. You know those, you know those great gospel songs, and it's like nobody knows who wrote it. It was yes, uh, yeah, yeah. It was probably uh, in, in amongst slave communities or some shit where they were singing this stuff, and it evolved by word of mouth, and then it became a staple in certain communities. And I just wanted to write something like that that was very, very simple and, and effective, and uh, and also meant that I could, you know. Um, it was kind of practicing recording that type of stuff, you know, like recording that guitar and seeing where all the vocals should fit over the top of that or in amongst it and then recording my voice over and over again to try and get the sound right there and seeing yeah. how they gel together and stuff. And um, Yeah, that's, that's yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always very proud of that one, right? It's absolutely brilliant. <coughs> anyway, I mean, just the whole thing, it, you know, it, it rounds off what is a very versatile, I mean, it's five tracks, but it's so versatile and there's so much in there and it rounds it off perfectly. Um, it's just, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. For part Plus, it's, it's that thing of, um, you know, a lot of my favourite albums, they always end with a kind of a, that kind of lamenting song anyway. You yep. know, a lot of uh, Raven albums do it. Uh, there's a few Perjam albums that do it that I, that I fucking love. Um, you know, that type of thing, they just sort of, uh, is it like I think it's it kid A ends with motion picture soundtrack doesn't it yeah I think it does yeah and that's you know it's just uh, Tom York on the harmonium and it's got that really yeah uh, beautiful little uh, uh, melody that he does um, yeah it's, it's you know I, I like I like there is that amazing feeling at the end of those great albums where you need that and then it, it ends and you, you know it's like you feel like you can breathe out you know it's like you've got yes you know, yeah, yeah 100% uh, you know, that type of thing is because they're kind of soundtracky, even if they're not actually soundtracking anything. You know, I think yeah. albums and EPs and stuff, and you want them to have that feel. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and and we'll come to it in a minute, but you, I I feel like you did it again with movement on the floor um, at the end of this yeah. as well. So we'll yeah, definitely we'll come to that. Um, so we begin part two. Uh, yeah. So you take. Uh, Five years off. Uh, we're now <laughs> eight years ish um, <clears throat> since the release of uh, of part one, uh, and we're releasing part two. And you come in with an absolute cracker <laughs> to begin with, yeah. uh, with Gut Huxley, which features uh, Abby. Is it Oliveira? Am I pronouncing that right? Oliveira. Oliveira. Okay. Sorry. I, I, I think I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, I suppose I should probably know that, considering you know. Um, Abby and I are quite good friends, but we've done it both ways now, um, so one of us has got it right. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. exactly. Yeah, we just cover all the bases. <laughs> she she can mispronounce my surname the next time she sees me, and it'll be all grand. It's quite hard to pronounce, mispronounce um, seventeen, though, isn't it? That's, uh... <laughs> Most people she just could, know uh, it. She could, she could say it in German. Um, I was it Sipson, isn't it Sipson? I I have no idea. You could say anything, and I would nod my head and go, yeah, if you say so, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I don't speak German. So. Um, well, any Germans who are listening, I apologise for brutalising your language. <laughs> um, How dare you. But, uh, um, so, uh, Gut Huxley yeah. featuring Abby. Yeah. See what I did there. Don't have to say the surname again. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, so, there's, there's loads in this, but the, the piano chord, I'm just going to pick out one chord. The piano chord over the first line is outstanding. 
and I don't know if it's a very simple or a very complicated chord because I can't play the piano um, at all. But for some reason, it gives me goosebumps when that first chord oh, uh, comes in. Cool. Um, it's, it's lyrically it's just an octave, I think. Is it? It's. I mean, yeah. It's, it, literally, it doesn't sound like it's as simple as that. <laughs> um, <I clears throat> but it is. Yeah, it, it's absolutely brilliant. I um, it up. I, 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 I think it's just an octave. Um, yeah, or something like that. But um, something about the way that. I don't know, tell me about it, it's, it's amazing. Um, lyrically, it's brilliant. Musically, it's intense. It captures, uh, what do I want to say? Okay, I suppose it captures the spirit of part one and takes it forward. And also, because it's got that bit about um, Brave New World in there, uh, I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know how intentional or how, how much we're going into it's that. Actually, it's, it does. Um, it's Grave New World. Grave. Oh, is it Grave New World? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so it doesn't have that at all. Um, uh, well, yeah. that was partially why I called it Gok Huxley, which is, um, you know, Brave New World being the, the Aldous Huxley yeah. novel. Yeah. And so I just used, I took the grave, the G, and just, it was, it's called, oh. it's, it was sort of, it was originally, it was sort of, I was thinking about calling it Gook, Gok, you know, Gook yeah. Huxley, like, you know, Gook, like, you know, uh, uh, undefined gelatinous, you know, nonsense. Yeah. Um, but I thought Guck actually sounded better. It's it kind of it's nice. It rolls off the tongue a bit. Yeah, better. yeah it, it is just an octave. I just looked it up there, and it is it's just an octave. I mean, it works so well. Piano. It just sounds absolutely mm. fantastic um, with it. Well, I, th I think it uh, it's like you uh, talked about it being. Did you uh, did you say you said post-apocalyptic or didn't you? Probably yeah. yeah Dystopian, I, I, I definitely said. Dystopian. That's exactly yeah. what. Yeah, that was it. Um, and I think this track, more than anything else on the record really plays into that because it's got that sound even the the weird uh, you know like uh, fluttery kind of sound in the background yeah um you know it's got that it's almost like you know the 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 start of a fucking uh, james cameron film where you've got the you know, the wind whistling and you just go panning across this fucking wasteland kind of thing you know it's got that kind of feel to it exactly um interestingly that sound is is not it's not um a sample or atmosphere or, or any it's not a sound recording as such it's actually midi it's a it's a keyboard it's a really yeah and it's just it's just me hitting lots and lots of random notes on this keyboard that's how i write most and, of my uh, songs it's got on the synth what that's how i write most of my songs just hit random <laughs> <laughs> no it is not for <laughs> release um, it i've got a label now I'll just release that that's fine it's paul mccartneyism <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Fucking. Um, um, <laughs> I, I'm, we're right back to Brian Eno. That's essentially what Brian Eno does. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just it's the and it's just there's so there's so many effects on the synth that it just sounds like I <laughs> sound. It, um, it, it is. I think did you use the word flutter? It, it definitely is yeah. sort of fluttery, mm. <clears throat> um, which is very atmospheric. Yeah. Um, who wrote the lyrics? Did you write the lyrics or did Abby write them? Obviously, she performs them. So, yeah, Abby wrote the, the spoken word part. Yeah, she wrote that. I had this. So, I, so okay, interesting um, little fact. This track has been kicking around since the first uh, digital throw-up. And, in fact, this track's working title back then, when it was in its infancy, was Digital Throw-Up. Nice. Um, and it came about because... Almost all the drums, almost all the drum track in this track 
came from a, a, a sort of a, a muck around session that me and my brother-in-law did with a drum machine that he'd just got. Right. Uh, he had this, he just got this, this um, really cool drum machine and I can't remember the name of it now, but, and so we just, and I was just sort of starting to you know, work with all the technology and stuff that I was using and, and uh, Ableton and the software and stuff. So he, he brought this uh, drum machine in and we plugged it in and he just fucked around with it for ages and I was just recording it and sort of taking bits out of it and stuff and seeing what was uh, uh, I could use. So almost all the drums in that track are from that session where it was, and he just, he was mucking around. So I just cherry picked all the bits that I liked the best and then, um, wrote the rest of it around it nice that's yeah. very cool so that means yeah. i didn't realize that so that that's been around in one form or another for a long long time which yeah in that yeah, sense makes uh, perfect sense for it to then open part two I yeah suppose. yeah exactly yeah it's uh, uh yeah and, and i but i didn't have any vocals for it i could never write vocals for it mm -hmm. um i i just i didn't it every time i tried i it never sounded or felt right and then um, I was doing this uh, part two EP, and I knew I wanted to use this, so I and I just got in touch with Abby. Abby has done a few different things. She's in another band called uh, Seven Daughters, <coughs> and it's um, you know right. some similarly kind of electronicy kind of stuff with her spoken word over the top. Yeah. And she's guest vocal, you know, doing spoken word stuff on a few different uh, other tracks and things for other people, and uh, she's a, a fucking amazing poet. And so I just, I got in touch and I said, would you mind listening to this and seeing if you could put something over the top of it? And she did, and this is what she sent me back. And I didn't have to do anything to it. And she, you know, I didn't have to send it back and say, could you do, redo this or anything? It was perfect uh, from when she sent it. And from her words, I was able to, the my lyrics, my vocals, just it just sort of fell out of me. It was just so easy to do from that point. I love that. Um, Mm. I mean, I have <coughs> some experience of, you know, or similar experience with you in that I um, had written some music for the for the Armored Valida stuff and I, you know, yeah. had a general idea, but I had no idea. But I, just uh, there was something about, you know, you, you're, I think you're good at that where you can pick stuff out and go, oh, I know, you know, well, I, obviously I'm sure it's not as simple as going, oh, I've got it, but you know what I mean? You can you can pick stuff out and find where the things sit and where the things lie. So on the one hand, it's surprising to hear that you couldn't find the thing for the first bit, but on the, on the other hand, it's not at all surprising to hear that once you've got that back from Abby, it just, you know, suddenly starts to make sense and click and flow because I sort of feel like I know a bit about how you work in that sense. It's, um, you know, I find it amazing. I can't write lyrics at all. Um, <laughs> so just, well, without them yeah. telling cheesy or dreadful or just you know just uh, rubbish but um, it's it is it is a th it's another thing that you have you practice i mean it i think um yeah raw talent is, is a wonderful phrase and it's a wonderful idea but at the end of the day with most things that people are good at they have like obsessed with it you know it's 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 a thing that was that's almost constantly on their mind you know yeah um and and that's all part of the practice you have to be constantly thinking about it you know so so with things like that yeah it's just because um i mean i remember being at, at school and all my friends and we loved 
all these different bands and stuff and we would talk about the lyrics i mean the lyrics were some of the things that we loved the most mm. you know when there was when there was a great line in a song you know that we would we would talk about that and we, we loved it and um and so you know when you start writing songs yourself yeah jesus i mean i'm i i dread to think some of the what is in some of the notebooks that i have from when i was like 14 and 15 because i'm sure some of that shit is fucking terrible <laughs> you know you know I, I could i i'm kind of glad that i've probably lost them um because i, I don't want to read it about you know how terrible my lyrics were when i i've never experienced anything you know yeah but but yeah so yeah i, I think i think i do prefer ha having something to work from you know it's sometimes when i'm sit standing or uh, trying to trying to write something or or even if i've written some music and i'm trying to put vocals to it it's mm -hmm. like i need i i need to come up with my own theme you know it still needs a theme it's still it's it's can't i rarely do stuff that's just free form whenever i'm i'm doing lyrics and when abby sent me that back she had given me a theme she'd gifted me yep. with something to a framework around which to 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 put it you know um, because even the, the melody itself, I think I had tried a very, very similar melody out before yeah. when I was trying to record my, it myself, but, but it, the, it just wasn't working. And then when she sent it back, it was like, yep, it just worked. It just came out. Um, and, and, I get, and the same thing with Alan Valida. It was, it was so it was Some tracks were more difficult than others, but on the whole, because I knew what each track was supposed to be about, it, it, it freed up part of my you know part of my brain to actually just write it you know yep. uh, yeah yeah, you know, where, yeah whereas you know it's if you're trying to fucking think of a theme as well sometimes it's just that there's too much to choose from if you if the scope is everything i think um so the the la <laughs> i mean i have over the years but <clears throat> the last time i properly remember uh thinking to myself i might just not bother writing lyrics anymore um was when i heard or kind of reheard the Metallica cover of Tuesday, uh, no, not Tuesday, it's gone Turn the Page, um, which is a Bob uh -huh. Seger song. Um, <clears throat> and it has this verse in it that goes, and this isn't like, this isn't stunning lyrically, but there's something about it that I think is amazing in the way it's structured. But it just goes, uh -huh. later in the evening, as you lie awake in bed with the echoes of the amplifiers ringing in your head, you smoke the day's last cigarette, remembering what she said. And I just thought, I'm never going to write anything like that. <laughs> so I kind of gave up uh, for a long, long time. And it was, it was the, the simplest thing. But again, it almost like, even just saying that, I think I got that right. I didn't um, should have looked that up. But even just saying that, I, there's certain I've things I've just looked it up lyrics. and yeah, you got it perfect. I mean, it is sort of embedded, in, you know, lazy yeah. printed on my brain. Um, but it, there's something about, you know, certain lyrics for certain people, someone else will read that and, or listen to that and not give a shit and that's fine. But there's certain things, everyone has that thing where something gives you goosebumps and makes you go, wow, that's, I wish I could be that profound almost in such a simple yeah. um, kind of way. I mean, you do it, um, I really like the, the way that you use language. So you say, uh, neath the crest of this brave new world, um, I think in this one. Uh, there's oh, yeah, a, yeah. There's a bit of that in uh, those sorts of things in the Army Believer stuff as well. But there's something about you can mould words. Um, or mould sentences to, to fit on different lines where it feels like, you know, I, I always, where I struggle, I think a lot of people struggle with lyrics, is you sort of, when you write the line, you feel like, okay, that's the line. But actually you, you move things onto another line, it almost sort of, it becomes like a bookshelf with lots of stuff piled on top of it. Um, yeah. and it, you know, it sort of 
forms a pattern. I, I, I think it's you know something I'm quite in awe of. I think you're a fantastic lyricist. Don't want to blow your own trumpet too much on here, but I suppose this is the place. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's, it, for me, it's something that really strikes me as you know such a potent, um, it's potent the right word, but such an important part of of, of your uh, music is what you can convey in. Because none of these songs, when I read all the lyrics when you sent them to me, none of them are like pages and pages of lyrics. It's not like you're writing shit loads of stuff. It's just every word is there and has a purpose. And I think that's you know something pretty awesome to be honest with you. Oh yeah, but man, Jesus! I, it's it's sometimes it's it's it is the worst thing that you can try and do. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's like oh, standing in my shed trying to record music, and like like you just said, it's not a shitload. Like it's not a shitload to work with. I I have to whittle the thoughts and ideas down into you know a few lines <laughs> and get all this across and it's like sometimes that is it's it is it's a form of self-torture because how the fuck do you do that (laughs) you know sometimes it's it's easy as fuck and and but sometimes it's just i i'm going back over and over and over and as time goes has gone on you know i've sort of learned that you know the stuff that i have to work that hard on isn't worth working on unless it comes easily Mm. it's it's never going to sound right because if you're working that hard at it, it will, it will always sound like that. Even if it's just to me, it'll always sound like I've worked too hard on it. You know, it's like if you um, um, ever bake bread or anything. You know, you can eat yeah, well, yeah, exactly. work the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not that I bake um, a lot of bread, but you know, <laughs> no, I know. I, was, <laughs> you know, I was literally just trying to think of something funny to say about that. All right, but uh, it escaped me. Oh, um, nothing funny about my baking. Thanks very much. Um, so look this is a perfect segue i think because the next track actually has very few lyrics it's it's really just four lines um which is chewing bolts um and this is this this i really love because it goes like it's synthy in more of a i don't know if synthy is a word but it is now uh it's synthy in more of it re- it's more reminiscent of what you would expect from a synthy type thing if you said to someone, oh, this music is a bit synthy. Whereas all of your stuff has this variety of influence, but it kind of has something about it, but then it has these drums that almost sound like a whip. Um, not the cracking, but the the whooshing noise that the whip makes. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and then when the bass comes in, that big, heavy, distorted bass, yeah. it just adds all this drama and tension, and then the guitar kicks in and the tempo lifts up. It just, it, it, this one really takes you on a journey. Um, but yeah, lyrically, it's, it's, it's four lines, I think, isn't it? Um, yeah, 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 it is just four lines repeated, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like my synth punk song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I tune, well, the, it, it's, I don't even, I can't even remember how I wrote this or, or where it came from. It just sort of happened. Um, and, you know, I, I will, I, I like, Again, like I said, uh, uh, although I sh- my first instrument was piano, bass was was where I started in bands. I was playing in bands, playing bass, um, and I, I fucking love bass. So I, a lot of my early stuff, and my more recent stuff, but you know when I started out as Grim, uh, on my own, I used a lot of distorted bass. So I had distorted bass, and then you know, I came big industrial drum sounds coming out of a laptop in the background Mm. um and a lot of those songs that i did back then before i even released anything 
I still have them sitting here, and they've, I've never done anything with them. Um, but that distorted bass kind of thing crops up, you know, again and again in, in a lot of stuff that I do, just because uh, I, f I fucking love distorted bass. It's like, uh, I mean, who doesn't? Just yeah, yeah. I know it's like if 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 you want, especially in synth music, you know, it's like if you put distorted bass in a in a, in a you know a band with distorted guitars, it, it's it's it kind of gets lost. It's not. You know, you don't really need the distorted bass as much, really, in a in a, a band that plays using distorted guitars because the guitars are already doing that job. What you really need from the bass is to is the you know uh, uh, bolster, you know, things at the bottom. It's 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 a it's a backbone for the music kind of thing, you know. I feel like if you um, said that to Lemmy when he was alive, he might have disagreed with you slightly. But I yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but 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 again, that's a, but it's a different thing, isn't it? Because uh, a Motorhead. Uh, that even the distorted guitars in Motorhead are quite are very trebly, you know, they, yeah, they, they fit are. in a very di distinct yeah. frequency. So, you know, distorted bass works in that context definitely. But in a lot of modern music, you know, the guitars are sound so bassy in themselves as well. You know, and the distortions that they have are so good now. The 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 range of frequencies you get from the guitar means that you, you know you don't need the distorted bass as much. Yeah. Um, whereas if you've got synth music. No, sorry, I was going to say, it's part of the, the sort of um, modern rock sound as well. I think bands like Royal Blood, where it's just bass and it's all yeah. really heavy. Like yeah, exactly. People want to replicate that, so they make their guitars sound bassier um, and you know, change the EQs and the pedals and stuff to do that. So you, I think you're right. You don't, it, it, if it's there, it doesn't normally stand out as much. Whereas Motorhead was such a distinctive... I mean, it wasn't a very complex sound, but it was so distinctive yeah. in what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was unbelievable, really. Uh, and I, I feel yeah. like the, the various guitarists they had probably felt like they had to crank it up on the high end because there was no way they were getting anywhere near the low end with Lemmy there. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but then it, as well, his bass sound is quite trebly too. But I think I mean I think probably the thing about that is that they were a three piece, and I think you just need if you've got the guitar player doing a lot of leads and things. You need the bass to fucking step up and and follow out everything else, you know. So I suppose they they that's did true. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that's that's um, uh, that's that's two and bolts. It, it's it's. I don't really. I don't even know what it's really about. It's just an angry song, which is why it's called Two and Bolts. Yeah. Uh, the the title came from a. It was a T-shirt I bought when I was in Germany a load of years ago, and it was just a red T-shirt and it had like a weird cartoony face on it that was looked angry and had a load of bolts between his teeth um and so it's just it's just it's a really good phrase i really like that phrase chewing bolts and obviously i didn't come up with it because it came from this t-shirt but it's it it sounds like an angry phrase it sounds like a yeah. a, a euphemism for being angry you know i'll look at your man over there he's fucking chewing bolts isn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, you know what i mean you know, it, it yeah. sounds like it could be you know um so so it's just yeah, it's just an angry song about that. Um, nice. Uh, I think I think the lyrics partially are influenced by you know a feeling of of, of you know um, the the people being in charge just seem to want to shit on everybody and you know all yeah. we can do is is impotently uh, uh, get angry. Yeah, there's there's definitely, but also it's it, it's quite um, like that last line is it. Uh, was it treading waves of feeling that all this shit's in my head? Is that right? Something yeah, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And there's, uh, it's quite a nice, nice is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. It, it rounds that sort of verse off, 
yeah. really well because it kind of brings it back from like it, because it starts I can't remember what the line is but it starts where it has something about you know I go on chewing bolts I think is, is the yeah, second half of that true. person um, and then in the middle yeah that's it and then in the middle it's sort of uh, you know those middle two lines are quite um, they're sort of quite obtuse they're sort of you, you see where it is it's sort of out there but then it brings it back round with the last line so although it's only four lines it works really well um, as a piece it kind of comes together uh, and like you say in the, in the style of the song and everything it kind of I mean, you could. That's one of those songs where you could put that out and say, "Hey, who wants to do a cover of this?" And I bet no cover would sound the same because you could do so oh, much. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, it would be very interesting to see. I, I, I can literally, I can just literally imagine, um, uh, uh, you know, um, a really punky rock band doing. Yeah. You know, it would lend itself so well to that. You know. Yeah. Um, like, kind of like. Um, Come to Daddy by Apex Twin, you know, the amount of different punk yeah. and metal bands that do covers of that, you know, it's like, because it, cause it works so well in that, in that yeah. uh, milieu, even though it's um, a very electronic song. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. But that's all uh, I have to say about that. I yeah, don't know how fine, to segue yeah. and to read out loud. Uh, what um, we do is we'll say, and the next track is read out loud. <laughs> <laughs> You've done this before. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, which is, uh, look, this is fascinating because at the beginning of this, it's almost like a club track, albeit with a filthy beat. Um, yeah. But the vocals are, are so much softer in contrast. It has these build-ups and then there's the drop-off just quickly before the chorus. And I don't know, there's something about the chorus. Again, the piano, you know, it's sort of, again, it's sort of a work of art, really, the piano and the chorus. It just does something. I don't know, maybe if it's the sound of the piano on those tracks rather than the chords. I don't know, but it's, it, it's really good. Um, but, yeah, this is yeah, well, the, this is quite lively, isn't it? This is quite... Um, there's a lot going on in here, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. This, I think um, I, I did a, a sort of short interview about, the, about this. Um, I just... Um, uh, with... Oh, fuck, Leanne something on Twitter. Why have I forgotten the name? That's a kind of a kick in the dick, isn't it? Um, anyway, um, and one of the questions she asked was, uh, uh, you know, what's my favourite track on the on the, the album? And this is the one I said. Um, and it's like, it, it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's my best song uh, or, you know, even, I, I wouldn't say it was the best on this album uh, as such or, or, or you know, however way you measure that yeah. uh, but I just think it feels to me it's it's the one that is uh, the most accomplished the most like something that I want to do you know it's right. it's, it's got that uh, I think it's as close to something that someone would listen to and go whoa how the fuck did he do that kind of thing um, and it did sort of start off like you said it sounds like a, a really uh, you say club track? Yeah. Um, with, with, with started off with something a filthy like that, which, beat. I mean, it's not just yeah, with that beat track, but yeah. Yeah, it was just because uh, a friend of mine does a lot of you know really dancey music, and he's so good at it, and uh, I don't, and I'm not. <laughs> 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 uh, but I just wanted to try and see if I could do something like that. Um, but I didn't want to do a dance track because. You know, because my, my ego is too much to just leave it at something 
as simplistic as that, you know. Right. So I have to add in, you know, jazz chords on the piano. Of course, I have to add in jazz chords on the piano, and and you know that an upright an upright bass synth, which is the main bass in the in the track. Right. And even at points, that's actually playing jazz chords as well as rather rather than just picking out the notes. Um. And. And so it just it it evolved into something more and more compl complex and i think that's why it's my favorite because it's com it feels complex yeah. it is complex there's there's a lot going on and I, and I put a lot of work into everything sounding right but yeah. also not really like each different element could almost be a track in itself if you know what i mean you know it's like yeah totally. you know, it's, it, it's it's very um so it's it's busy but not not overly so and i just think it feels like something I would want to create, you know, even, you know. Yeah. So, plus, plus there's a lot of very growly, shouty vocals in as well, which I love doing, and I'm, I'm, I've incorporated more and more into my stuff as time has gone on. I mean, who doesn't enjoy um, that? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, geez, being, being a massive Tom Waits fan, of course, I fucking want to yeah. incorporate more of that stuff, you know, <laughs> and, and to be fair, there's there's big kind of tribally drums in this song as well, which sound a bit like some of Tom's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, and and this was the other sorry just come as as another point which is <laughs> talking about doing all these because there's a lot of vocal tracks on this as well yeah and you know there's a lot of different sounds and a lot of different deliveries going on in it and like I said I record all of this stuff in a shed out the back of my house and you know we have we have very you know neighbors that are very very close and uh you know it's not a big area so and obviously they can't hear the music in the background so all they hear all they hear is me shouting and growling and and sounding like i'm having an epileptic fit you know coming through the shed so sometimes i just i really laugh to myself thinking about what they must think is going on i mean i'm sure they know i'm doing music because there are times when they can hear you know different instruments playing as well yeah. but it's like Still, it's, it's got to sound really weird, and I just think that's hilarious. It must be quite an experience for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <coughs> so, yeah. I don't know if you've had a chance to hear it yet, because it only came out, well, yesterday, as we record this, but depending on when you are listening to it, it could have come out ages ago. Uh, but the, the guys from um, You Haven't Heard This Music podcast, uh -huh. um, so I, I guested, um, I think it was last week I recorded it with them, uh, yeah. Just like as a guest host, it was um, <coughs> it was really good fun actually. It was different people from different podcasts on there, which was quite an interesting uh -huh. thing. Um, but uh, Richie uh, did uh, sort of tried to do like a feature from all of the different podcasts. So one of the um, podcasts is about flawless albums, where you sort of pick an album uh, and say, "Well, I think this is a flawless album," and then you both two hosts listen to it. Um, and discuss whether or not they think it is and why and stuff like that. So we sort of picked some flawless albums, we did some other bits from some of the podcasts. Obviously I co-host New Music Saturday and we basically do uh -huh. a very similar thing to You Haven't Heard This Music where we play yeah. music and talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so Richard was like, submit a track and we'll, we'll review it. And I submitted this uh, track, I, I put Read Out Loud because oh. I wanted to see their reaction yeah. uh, to it. Um, and their reaction was, I don't know if you've heard it yet, but the reaction was absolutely brilliant in that yeah. All of them, I think, were completely speechless for a short period right. of time. Just like, wow, I wasn't, just didn't expect it, didn't know what to think. <laughs> I think that's such a perfect and brilliant reaction. I, and I mean, yeah. you know, I could, I could sort of do that with certain people. Like Richie's one where he'll, 
he'll give everything the time and listen to it and also give really honest uh, reactions. He's brilliant for that sort of stuff to get something. But I kind of wanted to see if, if that would be the case. And it was... Shock is probably the way that I would yeah, yeah. describe it. Um, which I think is a massive compliment. Like, if I'd written that and someone reacted like that, I'd be like, yes, nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It's like, it's um, it's that thing. It's like, I think the, and that I uh, always say, which is, the, I think the worst thing you can possibly say about music or art or anything like that is, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I think even if you hate it, at least that's, that's a fucking, that's a reaction. That's a real reaction. You know what I mean? It's like, um, I, I think if you make something that people either really fucking love or really fucking hate, I, I think you've done your job as a as an artist or a, or a creator. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, and if if anybody listens to this and has that kind of reaction, I, I, that's I'd be happy enough. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think um, it also show this particular track is interesting because it probably is one where. Even people that have heard, you know, people that listen to it in order and put the CD on and listen to this all the way through won't expect it necessarily because I, I think it's quite different in many ways. Um, but also people that have heard other other songs by you, other albums, etc. Um, it comes out in a different way. There's something about that sort of intensity, almost like that club thing and like you're talking about the bass and everything. There's something about it that, that feels quite different. So I think it's one where some people will instantly go, this is it, this is, you know... I, I love this, I totally get it. Others, I think, will have to listen to this a few times, and I, I think that's a good thing, if music can make you work a little bit. Like, the first time I ever heard Tender by Blair, I couldn't stand it. I was like, what the fuck have they oh. done? Uh, this is awful. It's now, by all time, I mean, I'm not like a massive, I am a big Blair fan, but I'm not, you know, I don't obsess over Blair, but it is, yeah. if someone said, what's your favourite Blair song? It's Tender, hands down, 100%. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. But it's one of those where, for some people, I think they have to listen to it four or five times before they really fall in love with it, which I I think that's quite a... It's almost like quite an achievement <laughs> to be able to, to do that and to give people... It's weird, isn't it, Like to give people a reason to keep going back to it almost because they can sort of yeah. see, well, maybe there's something in this. Um, yeah. But I quite like that. I like difficult music. I don't think this is difficult. I, it sounds wrong. You know, For me, I, I get it, but I think for others it will be, and I think that's sort of a, an interesting thing about it, you know? Yeah, well, I, I think it is difficult. I think I like that as a description of it. I think that's yeah. I, that's definitely what I was trying to do. I was trying to make something that was a bit difficult. Um, you know, um, I think yeah. I, I don't really know what else to say about that. Yeah, I was ju- I was just wanting yeah. Difficult is I. It's quite a nice way of putting it. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Nice. Okay, uh, so then we've got uh, Movement on the Floor, um, which starts out as quite a sort of calming influence, especially because um, Read Out Loud is quite intense. Um, and you've got that thing again where it's, you know, it's another it's quite a beautiful track. It's the signal, the end of part two and the album, apart from the bonus stuff. Um, and then it, but the thing with that is it sort of builds, sort of from about halfway, it sort of softly builds and then it goes into that repeated uh, refrain, um, yeah. uh, which I definitely won't get right. Is it, what, what are those last two lines? You say it, because I will not do it right. The, the background part, the... the something yeah, about the, waving the, the, the like shallows. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, wait, 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 um, yeah, wait into the shallows and wash with all the animals. Man's the only mammal can never get him clean enough. That's it. I mean, even just saying it without singing it, there's something about animals and mammal and shallows that it all works really well, doesn't it? Um, but it sort of builds, and you don't know if it's going to build into something like big and heavy or if it's going to do what, but it's sort of, you know, then it, it fades and it goes and it just goes, right, here you go, this is the end uh, of this experience. Hope you loved it. See you later. Yeah, <laughs> kind of yeah, thing. I suppose that's yeah. true. It, it's kind of a it's, um, it's a kind of a companion track to I pray for water anyway because yeah. you know, it's got that water imagery. You know, wading into the shallows. It's got that. Yeah. Uh, I always picture like you know those um, those uh, watering hole kind of things. You know, for, like in the savanna in Africa where you have all these animals. You know, the, so normally uh, predator and prey gathered around to drink mm -hmm. from this one pool and they're all kind of this cooperative thing and it's like you know who, who would be the most out of place in in that particular scenario oh yes humans because we're yeah, yeah. um and so it, it, that's it always gives that image to me like but yeah this is it's it's kind of another dance track as well though i think um, yeah yeah uh, that's that's what it sounds like to me and it's just uh, it's it's just a song about you know like uh There's a line in it which is, um, and, and 30 years have passed with not to show. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of that. It's just, it's, you know, getting older and, and feeling like, you know, you, you know what, what have I really done? Or, you know, and this, this, this isn't necessarily what I pictured my life was going to be like. And, you know, um, not necessarily saying that it's bad, but just sort of that, that weird existential questioning mm. nature of when you get to that stage you know it's like you know I, I love my life and I love the people in my life but this is not what I pictured it as and you know what 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 is what is my life what you know how would I sum it up if I if I died tomorrow would I be okay with how I lived you know right. it's, it's that kind of weird existential questioning kind of nature to it so I've um, got a question for you then so this like, we're about the same age, so neither of us can really answer this question because we have no idea. But I feel like a lot of people our age, let's say mid thirties, um, feel that way. Like right now, you know, I see that a lot. You know, I've felt like that um, over the last few years at points. Lots of my friends have. But one of the questions I, and I asked this to one of my friends, and obviously he doesn't know either because we're not. But do you think that those sorts of feelings? are happening earlier for people because I feel like the generation above us our parents or whoever I feel like they talk about it in terms of midlife crisis when they hit their mm -hmm. 40s mid 40s 50s beyond and you know, go and buy a sports car and then have to pay it off and lose the house and you know whatever, <laughs> whatever people do um, but I feel like we're doing it a bit earlier but in a much more almost inward way because you know also doesn't the society and the economy is poorer than it was when those people hit that age and all that sort of stuff. Um, so we have a slightly different thing. But do you think that's happening earlier? Do you think there's more uh, something in that where people I, are doing that? It's a, that's a fucking amazing question. Thank and you. Especially Thank considering I have never thought about it. It never occurred to me. Yeah. Um, I think maybe you're the first person that I've actually talked to about this. Um, you know, my... Uh, so, uh, like, the mic first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I like the five. The five works. It, uh, <laughs> I always, I always imagine, you know, like five different versions of you, like, you know, like the Jackson Five. You know, just like yeah. you, but yeah. like, you know, as as you know, T Tito Mike and and Jermaine Mike and <laughs> Mike Mike and you know, I just, I just imagine you standing in those, you know, the, with the afro and the, uh, those, and the, you know, those terrible outfits with the the waistcoats and the bell bottoms and shit, and I just. I always picture you like I don't know, it always makes me smile. My um, my son has just got into the Nintendo Wii again, so maybe I'll go and create five me characters. <laughs> <won't> <laughs> yeah, you should, you should, yeah, yeah. This is like a good way to spend an evening. Uh, uh, Miss uh, Mrs. Miss Five certainly would question your sanity if she comes home and finds all these. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily the be the weirdest thing I've ever done, but today. Touche, touche. Yeah, but it, it's. I mean, it, it still wouldn't look. You know, it would still look slightly odd. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I to go back to the question, but I yep. don't know. I don't know. I think it is an interesting thought. Um, I never thought of it as a, a midlife crisis as such in that way. It's not like. Because I'm not. I don't no, and it's the, it's the wrong turn of phrase to be fair. But you know what I mean. Comparatively, that's what it, it feels like people would have called it before, I suppose. Um, but it's more existential, isn't it? It's not. Do you? Do you but uh, now that you've mentioned that, do you remember being that we're around the same age? And and also, I, I should, the other thing is about us. I haven't talked about it because most of my friends aren't my age. You know, literally, I, right. I, I have the weirdest friend group, which is they're either all you know pushing 60 or you know they're much younger than me so you know I there's I don't seem to have very many friends that are around my age but I, so I, I have a question for you do you remember like about 10 years ago you know in the, your mid-20s a lot of people talking about the quarter life crisis no <laughs> you don't no that's interesting because I do that's the thing I remember it being brought up a lot in popular culture and you know by people around me and stuff and also people talking about how this was a new concept, the quarter-life crisis, um, you know, that had never been really brought up before because people didn't have that, you know. Interesting. Uh, so, so, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe just the thing about it is that people our age, in our age group, and, you know, of that kind of ilk of millennial, are just in constant crisis. Crisis, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and because everything around them just seems to be so tempestuous and tumultuous and changing and churning and nothing ever seems to be as good or as terrible as it was for different generations <laughs> that came before, we're just in this constant existential crisis where we don't know what the fuck is going on. You know, like, we're, we are, it's, it's like that great line from Fight Club, you know, we are the middle children of history. We mm. have fuck all, you know, we, we don't have anything terribly bad, but we don't have anything great either, you know, it's like, so maybe that's what it is. I've said this uh, before um, in, in various places, you know, anyone that cares to listen really, I'll sort of mention it, but um, we grew up in an era where I distinctly remember there was about six months or so in I'm going to say 1996 or 1997, I can't quite remember, uh, where you would walk into an HMV and there would be uh, for whatever album you wanted to to buy. I think it was 97 because I remember it for um, Be Here Now by Oasis. I think that was uh, about 97, um, which I really like. <laughs> Regardless of well, the way it's perfect. Yeah, uh, but I remember walking in and there was a record, there was a CD, and there was a tape, and there was a mini disc version. Of whichever album, that yeah, album, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, and then the others at the time. And it was the only time in my life I can remember there being all four formats uh, and HMV had to make these special stands to sort of keep them all, <laughs> display it all at once. So you can pick your format from the thing. Um, but I always think that's quite um, descriptive or reflective of our entire generation because we remember and enjoy and love things like the Sega Mega Drive, but yeah, we also yeah. appreciate and enjoy and love what something like VR could do for the future, or you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You could pick examples like that out of yeah. all of it. We, when we went through that sort of t uh, change in technology where we can explain to old people how to use computers, but we're yeah. not quite out of touch with all the young people doing whatever they do on computers. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 we're yeah. sort of in that middle zone, and I think it's quite uh, exciting in many ways. I think it defines a lot of who I am as a person, and, and you, you know, those obviously any experiences you have help define who you are as a person, but the, those sorts of things I think make me quite open-minded and all that sort of stuff because there's so much variety. But equally, I do think that leads to crisis <laughs> because it's kind of like there's so much and there's too much and you don't know necessarily at any point what the right decision to make is because you've lived through all this different stuff that's happening so rapidly. Um, and there's also a little bit of what the fuck is next, um, which is quite confusing as well. So I, I kind of feel like there is something in our generation um, that has those sorts of feelings for, for just because of what we've lived through. And um, that makes it sound like we lived for a war or something, but it's not. It was just change. And change is scary for a lot of people, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think what the, the perfect summation of it really would be you have the generation before going, you know, oh, well, when I was your age, I owned my own house. And then the generation after us going, why the fuck would I want to own a house? Yeah. And us in the middle going, I'm confused. Do I want a house or not? Yeah. <laughs> Is <laughs> my house a good thing? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it is, I, I think alcohol is also a perfect barometer for that. You know, you have the yeah. generation before us, you know, alcohol, yeah, it's no problem, fine, you know, just, you know, just, you know, the, the, don't become an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, but you, but you drink every night. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, I could take or leave it. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you drink every night. Yeah, but I'm not an alcoholic. I, I, you know, I, I mean like an alcoholic, alcoholic. Yeah. And then you've got the generation after us going, I you don't drink. I, I, yeah, I don't want to drink. <laughs> seems pointless. Yeah. And it's just like the, the existential crisis of that as well, because we know how terrible it is, but we were brought up with it. So it's, yeah. it's like... In some cases, it's the it's part it's one of the only things we have to fucking diffuse after the <laughs> after yeah. wandering through the week, seeing how you know uh, everyone seems to be angry or upset or you know the people above us are trying to fuck us, the people below us are telling us that we fucked them. It's yeah. Like, ah, <laughs> you know, you know, and it's like uh, it's. I think there's a great there was a great radio interview I heard. I think it was a poet or something, and and them talking to him about how it might have been John Cooper Clark actually. Oh yeah. And him talking, to, you know, them talking to him about you know, oh well, you know, you, how you've abused yourself and you know all the stuff that you've done and you know that type of stuff. You know, uh, how do you feel about that? You know, do you what you, you kind of embrace all that? And he goes, well, my philosophy is this, right? Say you spend your whole life. You know, doing all the right things and avoiding all the wrong things. You eat all the green stuff. You do all the exercise. You, you know, you never take a drop of alcohol or drugs or, or smoking or anything that's bad for you. And you, you know, you do all those things to have this amazing longevity and stuff. And then you die at like a hundred and eleven, and you fucking end up up at the pearly gates in front of Saint Peter. And Saint Peter 
you know, asks, you know, so what did you do with your life? And you say, oh, well, I, I, I ate all the green things and I did all the right stuff and I avoided all the bad stuff. And, you know, I, I, I really kept myself fit and healthy and all there. And St. Peter just turns around and says, yeah, yeah, you didn't use the body we give you. We give you this body and you didn't <laughs> fucking use it one day in your fucking life. You know, and he was, he was like, if I get up there, I want to be literally falling apart so they know I f- it was an amusement fucking park. I used the shit out of this body. <laughs> and I, so, it's, so it's like, I don't know, man. It's it's uh, if if it if it's making you unhappy, stop. Maybe that's the fucking message. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the perfect end um, to that that segment, <laughs> um, which I absolutely loved. Um, now, which, which actually works for my music as well. Because, <laughs> you know, I imagine it probably makes a lot of people unhappy. So if it does make you unhappy. But listen to the end, and it will stop anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there are two last things. So that 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 completes um, the album. Um, yeah. Sort of, because there's also uh, there's the alternate mix of Quick Nobody Smile. Mm. Um, oh, actually, before we go on to that, I just mm-hmm. want to do a little quick thing about movement in the floor. Oh, sorry. Which yeah. I love because I just love being a clever box. Yeah. Which is that, that in is the drums thing. of Huh? That is very much your thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, it fucking drives Aaron insane. But anyway, um, so the the drums in in uh, movement in the floor, it's just a, a basic uh, kick drum sound. But there's a little kind of percussive sound that comes in. It sounds like a little sort of click, or you know, it's, it's almost like it sounds almost like it's it's reversed. Right. But that is actually the sound of me hitting the mic while I was recording the vocals. And the <laughs> vocal take was so good that rather than re-record the vocal take, I took that little sound and I made it into a feature in the song that was the <laughs> thing. So that when you actually hear the click in the vocal, you don't notice it unless you're really listening to it. Brilliant. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is clever. No one's, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, and I, you know, it's just every so often, you know, when inspiration strikes, you know, I, I have my moments. Yeah, no. Most of the rest of the time, I'm a fucking idiot, but, you know. <laughs> There's ever an opportunity to create an Easter egg, though. Why not, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very good. Um, so, I wanted to talk briefly about the, the quick uh, remix, yeah. which is what I'm now calling that, um, yeah. because it's got a different feel to it, and it sort of feels like it's let loose a little bit it's allowed to roam yeah. free a little bit perhaps um which is quite exciting and so uh i think i can't remember i know we spoke about it and i can't remember if i'd already uh done it or not but we, i put it on the end of the cd anyway i think mm-hmm. uh, in the end uh, and it's certainly um it's a bonus track on Bandcamp for anyone that buys the digital copy as well um but for me it just felt like well it's clearly it's a remix it's alternate mix or whatever it's not part of it it just felt like it worked really well um having uh-huh. it in there as well um, cool. But yeah, why, well, I, why the alternative? There's an interesting story behind that as well, actually, which is um, I had recorded a version of Quick Nobody Smile and then I lost it. Uh, I think it was because one, I think my, one of my laptops, one of my old laptops just died, just right. with the dirt. And then, like sort of years later, more recently kind of thing, as another laptop died, I found that I 
I had kept the hard drives from that original laptop, but for some reason I never looked at in them. Ah. And and then I was harvesting the hard drives out of the new laptop, and I have this little device that you can just plug hard drives into to like a and then US you know plug it in as a USB device yeah. into my computer, and I was rifling through the hard drives, and I found this original version of Quick Nobody Smile, because when I lost it, then I just I, I, first of all, after a lot of gnashing of teeth and wailing <laughs> and um, grinding my forehead on the living room carpet because mm. the you know I thought I'd lost all this work, I then I just went back and just re-recorded it. I just started again from scratch, and when I started from scratch, it became a very different track. But then, so years later, I found the original one, and oh, I decided to import the elements from the the, the other version and just finish it. And uh, I had this alternate version which was i thought i actually quite liked it was it was a good version i thought it's but, good uh, yeah it's very, very good. different and so that's where that came from i mean it's so good we put it on the album so yeah well that's yeah it's good yeah that was well uh, yeah you got to give them something extra mike you know you gotta you know you leave them wanting more but also give them a little extra. i think that's what people like well and speaking of which so um anyone that buys the digital copy of the album um, will also get your uh, Halloween special, let's call it, yeah. <laughs> uh, Making the Man's Clothes, um, which again, I love this. <laughs> this is absolutely inspired. Um, but I thought, because people are going to get that as well, perhaps we'll talk a little bit about that um, cool. as well there for this. Sure, yeah. Actually, I got a message from a, a good friend of mine this morning, actually, and he was uh, like practically, you know, uh, orgasming with delight about this song he just <laughs> listened to it and he was like oh, how much he fucking loved it uh which which was quite nice um uh although you know obviously the the weird paranoid self-deprecating musician part of my brain also went but well, it's not really representative of what i do so what is he saying about the rest of the stuff <laughs> but that's just that weird part of your brain that tells you your shit you know we all do that yeah 100%. yeah yeah but yeah making the man's clothes a uh, i Again, there's, well, I, th I think uh, quite an interesting story about where that came from, which is, uh, so the, the piano part, <laughs> the piano riff, uh, isn't actually played in a piano. They're individual piano note samples. Right. And it, it came about because I was just going down. So you, in, in Ableton, you have this, uh, to the left, you have a screen where you can choose through, uh, you know, whatever samples you've loaded up or whatever, um, mm -hmm. and also samples that come as a pack with the software and I was going through the samples so as you're as you scroll through the samples it gives you a little preview of each one you know what they sound like obviously and I was just going through the piano note samples and right. as I went through them that's what it sounded like and I was <laughs> like oh so each little preview one after the other as I was scrolling through them just sounded like and I just thought oh I like that <laughs> so I just imported them all and then recreated that, that that happened and then I just wrote the song around that. That's amazing. That's that's that has to be the weirdest story about writing a song I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Nobody does that. <laughs> I do that. Yeah, I yeah. do it. All right. It makes you you. Know. you. Well, you know? you know, I was back way back in the day when whenever, you know, some of the Northern Irish uh, radio show hosts and stuff were playing my stuff and, you know, thinking of me as some kind of golden balls boy or whatever. 
Um, one of them did describe me as idiosyncratic. Uh, of course, I then, when I, when I met him later, I pointed out to him that, you know, people can be idiosyncratically shit, so what did he mean by that? <laughs> um, uh, but to which he just laughed it off. Uh, and I never got an answer. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, I know, I know, I suppose it is kind of a weird way to write a song, but I think most musicians must, you, I mean, even you must know, you're constantly trying to find ways to, you know, approach things differently, to inspire yourself to do something, you know what I mean? It's like, or you do find yourself, you know, going to weird lengths, you know, to do that. You know, I remember in the very early stages of my uh, songwriting journey when I was a lot younger and, you know, in, in the house we had, I, I, I had, uh, you know, uh, an acoustic guitar, an electric guitar, a bass, and the piano. Yeah. Um, so I just remember myself going back and forth between all these instruments every time I thought I was sort of, you know, going, ah, I don't know what else I can do here. So I think everybody kind of does that. And it was just, this just happened to be the way that I, I did that on that particular day. <laughs> so, yeah. it, it reminds me, so first of all, I, like, I wasn't sure what you meant when you said even you, but I'll take that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, even, even you as an, you know, someone who exclusively, you know, when you exclusively write things on like, Guitar, that's your main instrument. Yeah, no, you, yeah. You know, so yeah. whereas, you know, I, t nine times out of ten, I'm using software. I'm trying to dig myself out of this hole, mate. Help me. <laughs> Throw me a fucking rope here. Well, no, it just it just reminded me, so, um, <laughs> as you know, but people listening to this might not, so I, I have a um, young baby in the house. We have a, a piano in the house that, um, it, it's like a, the sort of piano that you'd see in like a church hall, right? And it was one of those where, someone with a house larger than I will probably ever be able to afford was moving or someone had died or whatever and they put an advert up for free, uh, free piano if you can collect. Um, which is no easy task as it turns out. I'd never collected a piano before. Um, oh, it turns I've out, moved pianos many times. Yeah. Fucking balls. Man. Yeah, it was a real pain. It didn't, didn't fit in the car. Um, <laughs> no, but... Yeah. Um, me and my mate put it in this van. It was, yeah, but anyway, so we bought the piano. So I have a piano, which I can't play, but I have a, a free, out-of-tune, sort of old church piano. It's about 111 years old. Um, I, I found that once, uh, which is quite nice. Um, and so we've got 15-month-old baby piano, and by the piano are two acoustic guitars, just on guitar stands. And what he's taken to doing recently uh, is he climbs up on the piano stool, and then one of us will lift it up so he can reach the keys. He'll bash on the keys a bit, then he'll lean over and he'll strum one of the guitars and then he'll bash on the keys a little bit and then he'll sort of look at you and listen and then he'll go over and strum the other guitar. Uh, all, all just like, it's almost like a little control desk, like a cockpit that he set up <laughs> for himself where he can just like bash things, make music. And it kind of, um, it kind of reminds you of that as you're clicking through the samples <laughs> and you go, oh, oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> like, do you think he will stumble upon uh, a, a tune as good as making the man's clothes if he, if he continues to do that? I, I mean, I really hope he does and more power to him and all, but like, to be honest, all I heard from you know, their summation of that at the end was, Grim, he writes songs like a toddler. No. <laughs> Well, no, the toddler's never written a song. To be fair, he's aspiring. He's, he's not. He's not setting the blueprint here. You are. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, I mean, it, it still feels like a backhanded compliment. It absolutely right. wasn't. <laughs> absolutely wasn't an insult at all. No, I, I oh God. Well, I mean, I, I suppose uh, if if I want to get philosophical about it, you know, aren't we all just children trying to write songs these days? 
I mean, <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> and that brings us right back to the chimey sounds in, in track one. Um, yeah. yeah, perfect. Well, look, I think I think that's a good place to, to end what has been um, a genuinely fascinating exploration of... <laughs> Uh, of this album. I absolutely love it. Thank oh, you no, very no. much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. That's been really good. I really enjoyed that. And, uh...